Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I am Danny Kilgore. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Marine Covenant Church. And I say welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to be before you today. You know, we are in a sermon series called Big Rocks, putting the first things of our spiritual life first. You know, and throughout this sermon series, we are going to explore some of the things that we as a church are running after, and we're going to invite you to run after these things with us as well. You know, and I also want to say welcome to our online community. We're so glad that you are, are joining us. Happy Mother's Day to my mother, who's also online as well. Happy Mother's Day, Mommy, and happy Mother's Day to you all as well. Oh, you all caught me saying what I call her. I said, Mommy. <laughs> mother. <laughs> Um, so, yes, yeah, so we are doing a series where we are looking at some of the things that we believe should be in the life of every believer. You know, we talked about some of these big rocks being the things that we want to put in our jars of life, as Pastor Ben illustrated last week. You know, but I want to be clear, though, that though we are presenting these rocks in a specific order, these, are, these rocks are equally as important. They're not prioritized. You know, a life with one of these rocks and not enough of the other is an incomplete life. And a life that has one and not the others is imbalanced. And so we want all of these, what we consider spiritual big rocks to be in your jars. And it is our prayer that by the end of this series, you all will see these rocks, place them in your jars, and be able to draw near to God and to love God's people better. So before we get started, join me in prayer. Gracious God, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be able to hear a word from you. God, we thank you that our hearts are connected to you in such a way that you have removed the distractions that would keep us from hearing from you. So, Father, we say have your way today. Have your way in this service. Have your way in this message. Have your way in our lives so that we may be used by you to build your kingdom. And we give you glory and we give you honor. For it is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead, if you will, and grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And I'm going to take a page out of Pastor Jeff's book and ask someone, can I get a page number <laughs> from one of the Bibles in there? 1149. So if you are using one of the Bibles in the seats, the page number is 1149. So again, that is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And we will be reading from the NIV version. And it reads, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 
To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. And to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. In verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. You know, this big rock that I want to introduce to you is rooted in our mission. You know, our mission is rooted in loving and serving the world. And we're loving and serving the world so that more people may come to know Christ. You know, at first glance, you all may look at this big rock and say, oh, child, that's just good old, old-fashioned evangelism, okay? And at first glance, you're right, for the most part. But it's not the type of evangelism that you may think of that, say, our grandmothers used. But it's also not the type of evangelism that you would think of, of the when in Rome do as the Romans do kind of evangelism that you kind of see happen today. No, it's, it's actually the best parts of both of those. You see, this big rock is where tradition and innovation meet in the middle. It's where you get to experience the type of gospel that is both static and flexible. You know, I love thinking of ways how to illustrate these types of things. And so this is why I titled my sermon, How Low Can You Go? How Low Can You Go? Because when I think of the type of big rock and the ministry of loving and serving the world, I think of, a, of limbo. Does anybody know what limbo is? You ever play limbo? You ever hurt yourself playing limbo? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I want to illustrate this. And so I have um, grabbed a bold volunteer. So I'm going to call up Daniel Kushner. Give it up for Daniel Kushner. Because, you know, in honor of Mother's Day, we should always pick on a father, right? <laughs> So I have my, my, um, my volunteers here that are going to help us, all right? And we're going to invite Daniel, who is a father of three, but we're acknowledging the mother today by putting you on spot, okay? So you're welcome. And so we're going to cheer him on by singing, how low can he go? How low can he go? All right, all right, here we go. All right. Oh, he's serious with it. All right, here we go. All right, we ready? One, two, three. How low can you go? How low can you go? All right. He was pretty good with that. Great job, Dale. And that was quick. All right. Well, guess what? Now you get to play limbo with your family as much as you want. There you go. Yeah, they assemble and put it out. You can figure it out after my sermon, though. Okay. okay. <laughs> Give it up for Daniel. <laughs> You know, that was fun. 
And when I think of it, though, this gang looks a lot like how we as believers should love and serve the world. You know, this bar, to me, represents the bar that God has set. Now, some people look at this bar and look at it as a standard. And they set the bar so low that it seems untouchable, it seems impossible. Or they set the bar in such a way that it can't be moved. And when we do that, those that have never come to play limbo or see this bar, they see it as unperceivable to access it, to clear it. Now, others may see this limbo bar or this bar that God has set and see it as a way of testing credibility or the validity of it. So they try to clear it in a unique way. They may clear it by going under it in a way that you're not supposed to do. Or they may just move the bar out of the way altogether, which now changes the dynamic of the game altogether. But then the ones that are the most successful at this, they look at the bar and they come prepared and equipped. They take their steps slowly. They have patience. They're willing to use their flexibility. They're willing to be balanced. They're willing to see this as an opportunity to stretch and get their muscles. You know, when I think about these scriptures, I think about how the most successful ones are those who see this as a way of patience, discipline, stability, and balance. I mean, this is what it looks like to love and serve the world. You know, in these scriptures, I see Paul strategically playing this game of limbo with the Corinthians. You see, he's showing them what it takes and asking them and showing them how low you need to go in order for you to truly love and serve the world so that as many as possible can come to experience Christ's love. You know, he lays out this route so that we can win more for Christ. Winning, not like a game of, yeah, we're great, but winning in the sense of drawing more to the kingdom of God. You see, this is why in these verses, he's simply sharing that we must meet people where they are. And we do this first by understanding a person's worldview. Let's take a look at Verse 20, it says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. You know, one of the benefits of me being in seminary, you know, spending countless hours reading and studying and writing 20 and 30 page papers, taking exams. The benefits is that you all get to experience a seminary in education in in a 20 minute sermon that took me four years to learn, okay? You all get in 20 minutes what it took me four years to graduate to get. And first off, let me just pause and just, we're gonna take a quick praise break, okay? Because next Saturday, Myself, Michael Hill, Ben, and Shelly Zulsdorf will be graduating from seminary in four years, for after four years. So next Saturday, we will be graduating. All right? That is a praise break. Thank you, Lord. All right? 
Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. So, but when I was, while in seminary, I was in a class, it's called Religions and Cultures, and I learned this idea of world views. See, worldviews is the type of lenses that people have when they interact with the world. Now, this worldview is adapted from the way people were brought up, you know, their backgrounds, their religion, whatever it is that they've experienced in life shapes their worldview. Now, it's important to know someone's worldview because then you have the opportunity to establish a relationship based on respect and trust because you know the worldview in which they're coming from. You know, in these set of scriptures, Paul is actually addressing two worldviews that are different than his. You know, here in this scripture, he's talking about the worldview of the Jews and those under the law. You know, though he was a Jew, I mean, at one point he was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. You know, he re- he's no longer a Jew in the sense of connecting to Jewish relations because he's now a Christian. And he also understands that he is no longer under the Jewish law. He is under the law of Christ. But he doesn't use those things to, receive, to make them think that he's not in relationship with them. He doesn't avoid them, yet he chooses to stay involved with them because he understands where they're coming from. He understands their worldview. And he realizes that his mission is rooted in loving and serving the world so that as many as possible can come to know Christ, even the Jew and those under the law and those without the law. So he chooses to stay in relationship with them. Now, I believe there's always a way for us as believers to stay involved in the lives of those whose worldviews may not necessarily line up with ours. You know, our ministry to those who are not believers or those who may believe a little differently than ours should never be separated. We should stay in relationship with them. Our ministry should be given in such a way that we're flexible in our giving to them or our conversations and our relationship with them without compromising the gospel. See, there's a way for us to know and interact with a person's worldview, but still remaining to what we know is true. In this, in these scriptures, Paul is teaching that. That to love and serve the world, we must do it in the way that Christ did. We must get to know those people's worldviews who may think or understand or even see the world differently than we do. And in doing this, we provide as few barriers that there are so that more people can come to know Christ. You know, just as Christ did, we must be willing to give up our rights or sacrifice our rights and our freedoms so that the Holy Spirit may come in and use us to draw more people in. You know, being rooted in the mission to love and serve the world requires us to not only know a person's worldview, but we must also engage them at their spiritual level. 
We have to engage them at their spiritual level. Let's take a look at verse 22, the first part. It says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Okay, so transparency moment. About a year ago, our staff, we took this assessment called the Strengths Finder. Anybody ever heard of the Strengths Finder? Yeah? Okay, great. So the Strengths Finder, for those that haven't, it's an assessment, it's a battery assessment that shows you where your strengths lie. It's like 34 different types, and they tell you what types of strengths you are so that you can deep, deepen your relationships with people, understand people, use these gifts to be able to, to lead better, all those things. Now, I was excited because I had took, taken this test when I was a teacher, and it was like 14 years ago, and so I was like, I don't remember what it is, so I took it again with our staff. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, I know which ones are going to be mine. Because when I first took it, they only showed us five. But this was going to tell us all 35, 34 of them. And so the way my brain works, I go to the bottom to see what I don't have. And I looked and I was like, oh, you guys, do you know that my bottom was empathy? I was so sad. Like, how can my 34 be empathy? And my 33 was positivity. I was like, what do you mean? I am positive. <laughs> and someone on my, one of my friends on staff, she was like, okay, really? You're positive with that? So then I made my husband take it. Do you want to know what his top two are? Empathy and positivity. <laughs> I was like, this is not right. These are the things that tell me God has a sense of humor, okay? He does. But the, the facilitator in her kindness was like, don't focus on what you don't have. Let's focus on what you do. Let's see what your strengths, your top strengths are, right? And I looked at it and it included things like I was a relator. I had the strength of harmony. I had the strength of significance. And my number one strength was individualization. You know, I want to read this to you. This is a description. It says, one who is intrigued by the unique qualities of each person. They are impatient with generalizations or types because they don't want to obscure what is unique and distinct about each person. Instead, they focus on the differences between individuals. They instinctively observe each person's style, motivation, how they think, how they build relationships. You hear the one-of-a-kind stories in each person's life. You know, when I read that, I couldn't help but see the gospel. You know, though individualization is my strength, I think as Christians, that's all our strengths. You know, God is inviting us to see people as unique individuals, the way God sees us. You see, God doesn't put us in boxes. God doesn't categorize us in, in different check boxes. No, God sees us as unique individuals with unique and different stories, needing unique and different things. And when we call on the name of Jesus for whatever the specific thing that we need God to stand in for, God shows up in a unique and special way to meet that specific and special need. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we love and serve the world. By seeing each person as a specific and unique individual. I think that's why when Paul said to the weak, he becomes weak. 
Not because of the fact that he's trying to lower his standard. That's not the weak that he remains. Matter of fact, the Greek definition for the word weak in this description, in the scripture, is not weak as in strength. It means weak-minded. It means lacking the courage to understand or the lack of moral understanding. So if we now can approach this scripture knowing that, we can now receive it in the way that Paul intended us to receive it. So when Paul says, to the weak, I become weak, he means I allow myself to understand where they are spiritually so that I can meet them where they are. He lowers the bar so they can clear it easily. Or he lifts the bar so they can clear it easily, matter of fact. You know, I see in these verses God inviting us not to see others as lower in position, but on a different spiritual level. You know, just like when you hold a small child's hand when they're trying to get up the stairs and they stumble, that's what it looks like to meet someone where they are. That's what it looks like to meet someone at their spiritual level. And we do this all for the sake of the gospel. I mean, that's the reason why we do this, right? That's the reason why we love and serve God, serve the world, is because we want to meet people where they are all for the sake of the gospel so that as many as possible can come to know Christ. That's what it says in verse 22b. It says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do this all for the sake of the gospel. Family, it's simple. We love and serve the world because we're rooted in that. That's our mission. That's what we're called to do. We don't do this because we're looking for pats on the back. We don't, look this be, we don't do this because we're looking to, to look good in front of others. And we're definitely not doing this because we hope that this might somehow erase all the mistakes that we've made in the past. No, we do this because we want all or as many as possible to come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I ask myself as I think about it, you know, every time, I see someone get baptized. It reminds me of that. It reminds me of the day that I said yes to Jesus and I saw myself being baptized. The moment where I died to the old me and was raised up as the renewed me. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the moment when you said yes to Jesus? Do you remember the day when you decided to never look back? Let me tell you, you wouldn't have that day had someone not been willing to go as low as it took for them to get to you. I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you right now had someone not been willing to, to experience and to know my 22-year-old, all the words, all the sass, know-it-all self-worldview. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't be standing here today had someone not taken the time and the patience to understand where I was spiritually and to meet me where I was. So I ask you this, how low are you willing to go? 
How low are you willing to go so that your, so that people may come to know Jesus? How flexible are your ministry muscles? How low are you willing to go to meet someone where they are without altering or compromising the word of God? How low are you willing to go so that someone, as many as possible, even those with different worldviews, may come to know the love of Jesus? You know, don't get me wrong. I get it. It is complicated meeting people where they are. Because sometimes when you meet people where they are, it reminds you of where you used to be. Sometimes when you meet people where they are, it frustrates you to no end. And sometimes when you see where they are, you ask yourself, how long will you be there? And yet, Christ still invites us to love and serve the world. You know, this gospel that we have This is an invitation for us to love and serve God. This gospel, this good news, the gospel that picked you up, the gospel that turned you around, this gospel of Jesus Christ that picked you up, turned you around, and placed your feet on solid ground. Can you be used by God so that someone else can experience that too? You know, when you realize and you say, yes, this is what I want to do, then you have an invitation. And here's your part. And here's our part in this whole big rock of life of loving and serving God. You know, see, we as your church, we're going to commit to equipping you to meet people where they are. We're going to provide you with opportunities and resources so that you can understand this new and diverse world that we live in. We're going to provide you with classes and seminars so that you can get to know how you, as a believer of God, can share the good news to those with different worldviews, different spiritual levels, without altering the message of God. But here's your part. You have to be willing to be flexible in your ministry to the non-believer for the sake of the gospel. You have to be willing to say yes to these opportunities that we provide for you. You have to be willing to say yes to be used by God. And I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. And as I invite them back up and as they play, I'm going to offer you an opportunity while the song is playing in a little while to pray. And ask yourself, where were you spiritually when God sent someone to meet you where you were? Where were you when God sent someone to tell you that when you're weak, he is strong? Where were you when God showed up for you in that very unique way? Family, this big rock of loving and serving the world can feel heavy. This mission to love and serve a world that may not ever love and serve you back can be heavy. But I'm here to let you know that if you're willing to take this rock and put it in your jar of life, God said you won't carry it alone. 
that he's going to be with you, that he will help you love and serve the world that he cares about so much. Now, I'm going to invite you to ask yourself over this next song. Are you ready? Can you be with us as one church, one body, and commit to putting first things first, to being rooted in the mission of loving and serving God? Can you do this so that by all means, as many as possible, can come to love and know Christ? If your answer is yes, then I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And if your answer is, I'm not sure yet, Danny. I'm trying, but I don't understand. This rock is heavy, and I'm not quite sure I understand where to put this rock or how this rock is going to fit into my life. But I'm going to invite you to pray as well and ask God to speak to you and give you the strength to trust him and to know that to be in mission, to love and serve the world, he did it first. You know, God came, Christ came down from heaven, and he laid down his life. It didn't get no lower than that. Scripture says that no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. It's because of Christ's sacrifice that the bar was raised so high that you just walk right under it. No struggle, no leaning, no bending. Can you commit to at least trying? And if your answer is yes, then over this next song, I'm going to pray that God builds us up as a church body to be able to go out into the world to preach the good news that the Lord is real. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.